question is, are you in step with God? This is part two. We did, we did part one last week. One of the things, I, I don't know if you've picked up on this, but I'm just a tad bit ADHD, and I, I like... I don't have a lot of patience, and that's been a detriment to me, actually. I, I, being honest with you, it has a ministry. It, it's hard for me to sit down and, and look somebody in the face and keep your attention while you pour out your heart to me, and I apologize for that if, if that has happened to you, actually. But nonetheless, when, when I came to Christ, I saw my pastor who had been down the road. I wanted to be just like him, just like that, no, nothing in between. I didn't want any hard stuff. I didn't, I didn't want to spend a lot of time studying and do whatever. Just like that, I wanted it. And I found out that the spiritual maturity is a process. It doesn't happen overnight, and I wished it did. It takes hard work and discipline and heartfelt commitment to Christ. You have to have the want to. There's got to be a driving desire in you that God has created that, that come, you know what, or high water, you're going to follow Christ. And whatever it takes, that is the, that is the point about that. First, we get in the boat with Jesus, and we give our hearts to him, and we do that by confession of sin and repentance. We change our lifestyle, and in obedience, we, we get in the water. We're baptized, which was an outward sign of an inward change. We make a conscious and determined decision to follow Christ. And then, as we talked about last week, God has this storyboard with your name at the top, and he's got his path on this side, and then you write your path on this side. And hopefully they coincide, but a lot of times they don't because God's path looks a little restrictive. It, it looks, looks like it's going to take too much commitment on my part. So a lot of times we, we want to take our path, and it doesn't always work out so good. He maps a path for you. And it's, as I said last week, this is what I believe that, that the Bible teaches us. David talked about it in Psalm 139. Our name with God, of course, it started from the beginning of time because he knows us, but I think at the moment of conception is when our name goes on the storyboard. That's just my opinion. You can take it for what it's worth. But then he maps that life out for us, and he has this path that he desires for us to follow. It's the path that is our best interest at heart. It's the path that he chose for us. That's the path he wants us to walk on. And the Holy Spirit calls cadence. You know, I talked about you had been in the military, and when you march, there's a drill instructor counting, calling cadence, and it helps you keep in step. The Holy Spirit does that for us if we listen to him. He gives us direction in our lives as we follow Christ, and he gives us these directions to go. The Bible tells us that God's path is straight and narrow. Here is where other faiths, other religions have a problem with us. And even within the context of the Christian community, they will say to us, I've had people say to me, well, your view's too narrow. Man, you're, you're not flexible at all because you said this is the only way. Well, this is what God says. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose the easy way. But the gateway to life is small and the road is narrow and only if you ever find it. I pray that you here this morning are one of the few. <laughs> but sometimes some of the few want to stray off of God's path a little. They follow their own path. And my experience, it's, it's tough because you get lost and you, you stray away and you turn around and 
usually the most, if, if people are, 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 are pretty habitual about coming to church, the first thing you do is, is stop coming to church. Some people, the first thing they do, they're going to stop giving. Man, I'm, I'm going to keep this money for myself. I'm not going to give God this money. I'll go along with him a little bit. And then, then they stop coming to church and then they start, the tragedy is sometimes they, they start walking away and the Holy Spirit says, all, hey, you're going the wrong way. And then as you get farther away, hey, you're going, the, it gets less and less and less. And then we, we find ourselves, wake up some morning and we're just totally miserable and we can't understand why. And then to add insult to injury, we'll shake our fist at God and say, man, God, this is your fault. You need to look in the mirror because it's not God's fault, our own. The Holy Spirit continually tries to keep us on God's path, and he has his hands full for most of us. On God's path, we, he gives us focus and purpose to keep us busy, and he gives every one of his children a gift or spiritual gifts. Some gifts are to serve our brothers and sisters on God's path with us. Other gifts are used to sh- share the word with a uh, lost world and let them know that God loves them and there is a better way. It's our responsibility to identify that gift and then develop it through use. We use the gifts as we follow God in life on life's path. And when we come to Christ, we, the Holy Spirit lays this on our heart and we, we are to, to find that gift and then hone it and use it for God. And that's why we talk about life development. That's why we have 301. In 301, uh, Kurt helps you find, find what your gifts are. He gives you a chart and it, it, you can kind of narrow it down a little bit. And often waiting is used by God as he matures us. As we wait for that next command for to follow. Last week we looked at three reasons why God has us wait. First, he wants to heal your past so it cannot pollute your future. He expands your knowledge so you're better prepared. He develops your character. The third thing, and after you allow God to heal your path, you hopefully accept it and you don't go back. And after your knowledge of God and his spiritual aspects of life have grown, he's ready to take that next step. And then after that, he grows your character. We have to make completely sure that it's God telling us to move. We cannot afford to get ahead of God. It's not wise to blunder on ahead until God says go. If you do, it can spell trouble. Your past needs healed so it won't drag you back. Because it will if you let it. This is one of Satan's favorite tools as we get closer to Christ. And growing up in a small community, people never forget anything. You get, you get in trouble once or twice or three times, whatever that is, people don't forget that. And when you meet him and you mention the name, well, you remember that when they did that or she did that or on and on and on. See, God doesn't do that. When we ask forgiveness, it's gone. As far as east is to the west, he buries it in the deepest part of the ocean and puts up a no fishing sign. It's gone. But boy, we, we hang on to it. That is the problem. That's why Satan whispers in your ear. You get called by God and you start living for him. You try to witness and do something for somebody. And then Satan's right there. Man, who are you trying to get? You are a loser. How can you stand and confess Christ? Look what you've done. So that we, we got to get healed from that. You've you got to move on. If you don't, you're always going to wallow in it. God knows that. 
It's the first thing he wants you to do. That's why you wait till you get, get to that point. If you need to go to counseling, do it. There's nothing wrong with that. Isn't, it's, it's amazing that we go to a counselor and, and people automatically, you don't want anybody to know it, of course. It, it, it's automatic that you think, man, there's something wrong with them. They're going to counseling. Man, it helps you. You, you get whatever's stuck in your craw, so to speak, out and get somebody that will listen to you and talk with you. So um, if you come to my office for counseling and halfway through the session, I'm doing this kind of number, bring me back, will you? I would really appreciate that because, that, like I said, that's, that's a problem for me. But nonetheless, that's, that's the skinny. That's the way it works. Your character needs to be solidly building spiritual credibility. The best way to silence critics in any area of your life is to be successful. And the best way to silence those that keeps bringing our past up to see us changed, that we're not the person that we used to be. And because of Christ in our life has made us different people. That's the way that works. We have to build spiritual credibility. And when that happens, God sees you as serious about spiritual maturity, and then he gives you the vision when he knows you're ready to accept it and own it for your own. In the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 3, we read about God's vision. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Boy, who wants to hear that from God? Well, now. We want it now. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Visions are for the appointed time, and you need to know when that is. If we are in tune and in step with God, he'll tell us. He puts arms and legs and words and effort to that vision that God places within us. But this is a very critical moment. It's in this moment that followers of Christ sometimes falter as they peer into the future. And often it takes that leap of faith, that first step into the unknown to follow God. And it doesn't become known till that foot sets down on God's path. Let's watch this clip. Indy Jones kind of brings this out in picture form. Let's watch. Helps it make sense, doesn't it? A step of faith. Boy, when you're standing there, so you're talking about faith. It's that, 
It's that first step to your foot gets on God's path and then he's there with you and you finally hopefully start to understand it. As you ponder God's direction, we pause. It's in this moment, some followers of Christ, instead of taking that next step, they question God. Man, Lord, I'm going to have to have some more information on this. If I'm going to do this, if I'm going to give up this part of my life, if I'm going to do this, that, or the other, I need a little more. I need a little more to go on here. We got his word, but a lot of times we'll bypass that word. We want, we want what he says right now to us personally. Habakkuk questioned God's in the form of a complaint. Habakkuk 1, 2 through 4. He had no qualms about going to God and getting complaints off of his chest because he wanted answers and he wanted them now. And I'm saying that's healthy. You can go to God and complain all you want. It, at least you're getting it off your chest. You're venting. He's not going to mash you. But hopefully you work out whatever's between you two and maybe you have to ask forgiveness or whatever. And you move on and you feel better. You vented. There are a few people in life that when they vent, they pick up things and throw them. Have you ever seen anybody do that? that? This is a terrible thing. I like to see mad people on the golf course and throwing clubs. That's funny to me. And what's even funny, they throw a $500 driver and it gets stuck up, stuck up in a tree. That's hilarious to me. And then I'm thinking, I'm going to go back after dark with a ladder and get that bad boy down. And I, I usually, I wouldn't do that. But you know, you know what I'm saying. That, man, people get mad and throw this big fit. That's all right. But the thing is, you can't stay mad at God. But here, Habakkuk's complaint. Now, I want you to listen to this. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see this sin and misery all around me? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and useless. There is no justice given in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, and justice is perverted with bribes and trickery. God replies in verse 5. The Lord replied, Look at the nations and be amazed. Watch and be astounded at what I will do, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Habakkuk didn't say, you know what, God, you're right. In verses 12 through 13, he lodges another complaint. But I want to tell you why he's complaining. His heart is broken because he, he sees a dying world around him. It's falling apart. And in this world are people that he loves. And he hates to see this happen to his nation and to people that he loves. Here's God's reply, chapter 2, verse 3. But these things I won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely. The time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. And it seems slow. Wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Because God is saying, I, the Lord God Almighty, is saying this. It's going to happen. You just have to be patient and wait. And that's what we hate, is waiting. You know how long they waited? They waited 70 years for it to happen. But they forgot the point that they were in captivity because of their sin anyway. It wasn't God's fault. He, he warned them. They didn't listen to him. You ever complain to God? Man, Lord, why is this happening to me? What are you, why are you doing this? Why this? Why that? 
But let me ask you this when you complain, what's it about? Is it selfish motives? Is it, it is something happening in your life? Or is your heart broke because you see a dying world and people that you love that are doomed without Christ? That's what should break our hearts. When we get this attitude with God, our Heavenly Father, we need to go back to the book of Job and make God's words to Job his words to you and I. Job is concerned about himself. That's why God answers him in Job 38, 1 through 12. Man, oh man, I, I try to close my eyes and picture the voice of God. It has to be like no other voice that we've ever heard with these ears. You know, you picture like a James Earl Jones voice. It's strong, it's loud, it's powerful. And, and you know that only God is saying it. And here is puny man Job that's sitting there and he's questioning God. And now God tells him, he tells Job what he thinks. Listen to his words. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Job is in a spot that God's got him by the lapels. He's got him up and he's looking him straight in the eye and said, you're not getting away from this, brother. You're going to listen to what I say. Verse four, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Do you know how its dimensions were determined and who did the surveying? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who defined the boundaries of the seas as it burst from the womb, and as I clothed it with clouds and thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores, and I said, thus far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? God's not finished. He goes on. In chapter 38 for 27 more verses, continues on in chapter 39 for 30 more verses, then says to Job in chapter 40, verses 1 and 2, then the Lord said to Job, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? I think a lot of times we need to hear that. We are complaining against God, and a lot of the problems we get ourselves into, it's our fault, but we need to hear the voice of God in the Holy Spirit say, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Show me. Tell me what the answers are. There are no answers apart from that, and we can't come up with any that even come close to this. That is the issue. Verse 3, Job responds to the Lord. He finally gets it. Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will put my hand over my mouth in silence. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. You ever been there? The God's got you where he needs you. You've expended your anger, your frustration, and finally God has broke you down to where he got your attention. I think about the military. That's what they do in boot camp. They break you down. So the old part is gone, and they've got this new, fresh being to work with and to teach. Then God continued chapter 41 for 30 more, 34 more verses in his challenge of Job. Go home and read it for yourself. It's great reading. And as you read it, you sense the power of Almighty God coming out of those words because those words are for us as well. Yes, 
And even though we hear and sing and read of God's great power and love, we still balk at following his directions sometimes. Why? Because it makes us uncomfortable. Man, we love our comfort zones. Because in this comfort zone, if this rug was my comfort zone, I can move around. And while I'm in this comfort zone, Eddie is in 100% control of his life. He does what he wants. He goes where he wants within inside that comfort zone. And he never has to take that leap of faith because he's self-sufficient. He knows that if he stays in here, everything's going to be all right. God's blessings aren't in that comfort zone. That's that, that step, that leap that he wants us to take out, and we get into his zone. And when we do that, it scares us sometimes because we've seen what's happened to other people. Man, this guy started following God. He moved him halfway across the world or halfway across the country. What about my family? What about my grandkids? On and on and on. And we keep that into perspective, and these are comfort zone thoughts, even though they are comforting. Man, we don't follow God some kind because you never know where he's going to ask you to go. There's no place off limits to God Almighty. If you remember David, David said, man, Lord, I can go to the depths of hell, and there you are. I can descend to the highest heights of heaven. Of course, you're there. You're everywhere. And you never, you never know what he's going to ask you to do. It's like that guy said in that clip. You have four vehicles. God, Holy Spirit might come and say, you know what? You don't need four vehicles. Why don't you give that one to God? Why don't you sell and give that money to missions? Why don't you sell it and give a needy family? I can go on and on and on. These are the issues that we struggle with following God sometimes. As we go closer and closer to God, we realize our, our lives aren't about us anymore. They're about him. And what a stark, startling reality that is to us to one day and wake up and look in the mirror and realize that our universe doesn't revolve around us. Man, that's a, it's almost like a slap in the face. It revolves around God. Boy, it's a tough sell, sell for us to grasp sometimes. We owe our lives to him. But then we argue and complain. Man, well, what about my plans? I got these plans laid down. I even got them wrote down. This is the way my life's going to go. This is what's going to happen to me. Well, I'll tell you what, friends. Sometimes you do that, and like James says, don't be making plans for tomorrow. You need to take care of it today. A lot of times we're just too busy to stay in step with God. You ever said or thought it? You know what, God? I am a busy person, and I've got this and this and my kids and on and on and on, and we've got this whole list of stuff that we've crammed into our life, and God's at the bottom of the list. But then there's always that nagging, nagging, nagging. But you know what, God? I want fire insurance. I want that security to know that when this old heart stops that I'm not going to go into a hideous, burning, agonizing hell, but I'm going to be escorted into the glories of heaven. Sometimes I wonder, I don't think you can have it both ways. When I gave my heart to Christ and started down that road, he, he didn't leave me alone. And I found that I was most happy when I was 
trying to be obedient to him. We come to Christ and we say, I was saved by grace, not by works. But as Paul argues, faith without works is dead. We, we, it, it makes us, being in Christ makes us want to do something. The fruit of the Holy Spirit comes out of our lives and people see it. Remember, he knows your heart and everything about you. Are you one of the few that Jesus mentions in Matthew 7 on the Sermon on the Mount? Has he placed his vision in your heart? And the question is, have you done anything about it? A lot of times, God speaks to us and we dismiss it pretty quick. We send it on. Vision is like a dream. A dream that God places supernaturally in your heart. A dream is a wild fancy or hope. I like this definition. An aspiration, an ambition, anything extremely beautiful, fine or pleasant. Are you a dreamer of God dreams? Webster goes on. Dreamer, one who dreams. A person habitually inclined to interpret experience imaginatively without strict regard to practical concerns. A visionary. I like that, that God has allowed us in his power, spoke into our lives. Jesus says, make me attractive to the world. Through your lives, you cannot change the gospel of Christ, but you can repackage it in a way that it invites people instead of turns them away. <laughs> That's the glory of a dream. Imaginative. Imagine. He gives us our, our imagination in the power of the Holy Spirit to create new ways to introduce people to Jesus. That's what he does. Vision, sight, that which is seen, discernment, perception, a mental image produced by imagination. A wholly inspired vision is a mental image produced by God. It's a God dream. God supernaturally gives us his vision in his time when we're ready for it, to receive it. Crossroads vision, if you look at your bulletin, it's on the front. It's there every week. It's a vision that was birthed in our hearts to help people seeking spiritual truth become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's our vision. And our mission right beside it says to impact our community and our culture, to reproduce ourselves, to build nations. It's our lenses. Those two boxes are the lenses that we as a church see things. Everything comes into place through the, that vision. So we are focused on that. God has given us that. And often... Vision comes in the form of a dream, a wild fancy, an inspiration, an ambition, all for God. So I ask you this morning, what have you or are you doing with that God dream that God placed in your heart and in your mind? Because you have to hang on to it. You have to concentrate on it because that stinking devil will steal it from you. He is an expert at stealing dreams. God brings that inspiration in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Satan's right there saying, well, that's a stupid idea. You can't do that. That's not church. Well, if God puts it there, it's right, is my point. We can't go on what Satan says. Absolutely not. Often we don't pursue our dreams because we're afraid of failing. It's safer to nurse them in private instead of going before those who might ridicule us. Chuck Swindoll says this, and I quote, we're short of eagles and running over with parrots. Content to set safely on our evangelical perches, 
Repeat religious words. We're fast becoming overpopulated with bright-colored birds having soft bellies, big beaks, and little heads. End of quote. What would help would be more keen-eyed, wide-winged creatures willing to soar, exploring the unlimitable ranges of the kingdom. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit, the Lord whatever you, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. God's the one who gives us the courage. God's the one who gives us the safety net. God is the one that creates that path out of nothing when we step out on faith, and that foot of faith finally touches that path, and God knows we're serious about it. Then the path is illuminated, hopefully, and we can follow it. Make plans counting on God to direct, Proverbs 16, 9. It also says we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our step. It's scary to get out on a limb, but out on that limb is where the best fruit's at. And that's my question this morning. Are you in step with God? What has God said to you today? He speaks to each, each of us in his way. Perhaps he's calling you to come home and to accept him, become his child. If so, you, you don't wait. Don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. You need to lay your burden down. Come and you want somebody to pray with you. There's people here that loves you. You know, I say this before that there's some symbolism in that. Being weighted down and bringing that burden up. And in my mind, Jesus is here and I'm laying it at his feet. And I turn around and walk away and look back and He's picked that up. He's carrying it for me. That's what he does. So if you need to lay that down this morning, please come. And maybe you think your dream is dead, but Christ can revive it with a word. You remember our friend Lazarus. Christ returned him to his family, alive and well. And he is still in that same business. He is waiting for you to respond to him this morning. So I just pray, people that I love that, that you do that, that. Just do what God asks you to do. Lord, I don't know what that is in these folks' hearts, but you do. We're all at different stages and different places in our spiritual walk. And far above everything else, the issue rises that you want us to grow, that you want us to take that next step. And for many of us, it is a step of faith. We don't know what, we don't know what to expect, but you do. And that's when our faith kicks in, Lord, and hopefully takes over and we move that direction. So right now, God, I pray for these dear folks. I pray for those hearts that's uncertain about you that they would be certain before they left this place. I pray for those with burdens that they might leave free. What a great concept that that is, that we can come in here maybe guilt-laden or burdened down with the cares of the world, and you've promised to take them from us, and we can leave free, totally free, to do your work and will in this world. So may you have your way right now in this place. For we ask in the name of Christ, amen.